I've been reading a lot of books about various freedom tech topics lately. And when you start reading books about freedom tech, it's kind of hard to stop. I've always been kind of a casual reader. However, once I started reading freedom tech books, I just, I really can't stop. I've always got a book in my hand because I feel like I can't get it into my brain fast enough. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is No Strings, a Freedom Tech podcast. I am your host, Marks. You can find me on Noster. Uh, this is a show about freedom technology. It used to be about just Noster, but I'm expanding it. And I'll get into that here in a bit. But uh, we're all interconnected in this modern world. Freedom Tech gives you control over how and when you connect. It gives you control over where your data lives. So on this show, we are going to surface interesting projects, interesting ideas, provide news updates on projects and other things happening, as well as interview builders and other key people in the freedom tech space. That's the goal. Our hope with this podcast is that you can walk away from every episode with something that you can do today to do something different, right? something that helps you gain control over your information. So I want the content of these episodes to be geared so that anyone, regardless of technical skill, can do something today. No Strings is a value for value podcast. If you find value in what we're doing, please send value our way. You can do it by streaming small amounts of Bitcoin called sats. Do this in your favorite podcast 2.0 app like Fountain or Podverse. If you're listening in a different app, that's okay. Uh, you know, you can do it some other way. Like you can zap the note for this episode on Noster or send a boost through your podcast app. Listen, we really appreciate those and we read them at the end of every show. Lastly, you can just visit the website nostrings.show slash support to support us there. So let's get into the content of this episode. This is episode five of the podcast. I did four of them, and they were all completely focused on Noster. Two of them were about Nostarica, which was the first conference or unconference, if you will, for Noster. There's another one happening soon in Asia called Noster Asia. But after doing those four, things got busy with life, family, summer, all that good stuff. And so I, I took a break for a few months, worked, worked on some personal projects, and just hung out with the family, really. I did keep up with things, though. I kept listening to the podcast, following things on Noster and commenting here and there, as well as reading a lot of books. So I've decided to have a change of podcast focus. You may have noticed that the intro is a little different than previous episodes. I originally started this to discuss Noster, that burgeoning new technology that is making waves in the way that we communicate online. If you haven't heard of it, Go check it out. There are apps galore on every app store for Noster, as well as web apps all over the place. This show will continue to discuss Noster. Don't worry about that. Uh, but over the last six months, I've been pondering a lot about things, and I realized that Noster is just one part of a much bigger puzzle, albeit it's really a large, potentially core piece of that puzzle. But really, it's about freedom technology. Freedom tech, freedom tech gives you control over your data, your online communication, 
Uh, and that's really the overall puzzle. We've turned our lives over to other people, to other companies in so many ways. And Freedom Tech helps you get this back. It's the way that you can just gain control over your information again. And whoever controls your information really kind of controls a lot of what you do, whether you want to admit it or not. So who's the target audience for this? Well, Freedom Tech, the word tech is in the, in the word, in the phrase. Uh, but I don't want you to have to be technical to benefit from this because I think everybody uh, needs to hear this stuff and everybody can benefit from it. So I want you to be a non-technical person uh, or you can be a super technical person, but I want you to have something actionable from this episode that you can do that gets you a little bit closer to having more freedom with what you do online and just in your life. So I guess my promise to you is that any skill level will walk away from an episode with something to use. If not, then please yell at me so I can provide better content. Send me a comment, send me an email, uh, whatever. So the plan for the podcast from here, moving forward until things change because we iterate. The plan is I'm going to do updates on projects on an episode. I will discuss a specific Freedom Tech topic or project in every episode. I'll focus on something after giving some updates. And then uh, when appropriate, I'll do interviews with builders and other key people in the Freedom Tech space. And maybe that becomes like a regular thing every few episodes, or I just do it when, when there's someone available. I wish I could say I was going to do this weekly, but for now, I'm going to commit to two or three times a month. And then if I can really get into a good rhythm and work up to it, then I'll do weekly because weekly is awesome. I love weekly podcasts. Daily ones are fun too. Uh, every other day, like what Bitcoin did, that that's kind of cool too. Uh, but for me, getting up to once a week would be um, would be really awesome. Okay, so let's jump into some of the updates, shall we? First one on my list is Wave Lake. Wave Lake is a, a service where you can listen to music that has been uploaded by independent artists. And then those artists are able to make money when people listen to the tracks just directly from the listener. They don't have to go through a record label if they don't want to. They don't have to go through a publisher, distributor, any of that. They can just upload the file. Somebody listens, decides to send them some money, and it goes directly to them. Well, Wave Lake has added splits. They call them artist splits. I'm going to go to the page here, read a little bit more about it for you. But what that means here, and we'll just say, uh, I'll read a little bit. Uh, we are thrilled to announce the introduction of an exciting new feature in the latest update of Studio called Artist Splits. The highly anticipated feature empowers artists by giving them the ability to include up to four Wavelike users in the payment split for this tracks. So what does that mean? Well, splits are something that have been part of media for decades, right? When you work on something, very rarely are you the only person that contributes to it. If you're in a band, there's usually multiple people in the band. There's a producer working behind the soundboard. Uh, there are other technicians involved. You might have somebody who wrote the song for you. There's a lot going on. And so in the traditional music space, there is a, a, you know, a, a distribution that happens and everybody gets their percentage that comes out of it. So Wavelake is imitating that, but giving artists much more control over it. So it says here, with splits, artists can now collaborate and share revenue with their fellow musicians, producers, and collaborators more easily than ever before. 
This is not only, sorry, this not only fosters a sense of community and teamwork with the Wavelake community, but allows artists to allocate earnings more fairly and transparently. We believe this new feature will revolutionize the way artists collaborate and monetize their music on Wavelake, making it an even more vibrant and inclusive platform for all music creators. So I think this is awesome. There's a whole blog post about it that talks about how it works. It's very similar to the way podcasts work. Where uh, So if you're not familiar with podcasting 2.0, there is something specified in the RSS uh, XML called a value block. And in there, you can put your split. You can say, here are the wallets that I want money to go to. So when money comes into my podcast, split it among these wallets on these percentages. So you know, like my podcast, for example, share some with Podcast Index. Um, I haven't done it yet. Hopefully by the time I publish this episode, I'm also going to share money with the intro music, the, the band that does the intro music on the show. So I love that Wavelike has done this and they say that there's more to come. So it's right now it's only four artists and they, they say that they've got more in the works here. So that's pretty bomb. Next up, if you're a Noster user and you use web apps for Noster, this is for you. Uh, Snort, which is one of the most popular Noster web clients, and then Iris, which is another really popular one, they decided to combine their code bases. So what this means actually is that Iris is now using the Snort code base, but then uh, they're going to work on it together, and then they will also have their own flavor on top of it. So uh, imagine it's uh, kind of like Chromium, right? The, the Chrome engine that powers so many browsers out there. Brave uses it. Chrome obviously uses it. Other ones do too. Uh, back in the day, WebKit was being used by a lot of people, um, but people have kind of moved away from that, except for Safari. So <laughs> unless you're a browser on iOS, everybody uses WebKit, dang it. All right, next one up. Anyways, that, that's cool to see. I'm happy to see that Iris and Snort have combined code bases. I think that's that's a, an interesting idea in the space, and let's see how it goes. And if you want to contribute, go to GitHub and contribute. Next one is a website called store.app, and it is an app store for PWAs. Now, if you're not familiar with what a PWA is, it stands for Progressive Web Apps. And these are JavaScript websites, usually JavaScript, that behave very similarly to an app that you download from an app store, but they don't have to go through any app store approval process. So they're an in-between. It's like a web app and a native app. It's, it's sandwiched in the middle there. And more and more PWAs are getting more functionality that make them more similar to native apps. So this is pretty cool. And so if you go to the website store.app, then you can check out a whole bunch of PWAs that are on there and you can stick them on your device. So that's pretty cool. Give it a, give it a, a view. Next update, Pleb AI. Pled AI is an anonymous AI service. You can use uh, you know, something like ChatGPT if you want to, but they also have other models that you can select, or you can even upload your own model. And then whenever you want to do anything on there, you just simply pay with Lightning. And if you're not familiar with Lightning, Lightning is a layer two uh, implementation on top of Bitcoin. So it's a way to send Bitcoin to other people, um, but with super low fees and instant, instantaneously. And you can do microtransactions, which you can't do with Bitcoin. You can't do with, obviously, with credit cards. 
uh, US dollars, that kind of stuff. Anyways, yeah, Pleb AI is pretty cool. So if you wanted to, if you if you don't have the the know-how to set up your own AI service at home, you don't have a server, you don't want to buy a server, you don't want to run one because it's just like so overwhelming for you, you can use Pleb AI. You can do anonymous AI chat GPT stuff, even if that's all you want to do. Because if you use regular chat GPT, uh, the company that makes it is called OpenAI, but they are not open. They are closed AI. And so if you use chat GPT, you are uh, all of your all of your queries, all of your chats are being logged and stored by that company. Pleb AI promises that they're not storing that and logging it. You don't really know for sure, but hey, it doesn't matter totally because you can pay anonymously over Lightning. And then even if they are somehow collecting it, well, you can do things like VPNs and Tor and other stuff to hide your IP address and you can pay anonymously. So it's difficult for them to find out who you are. Take matters into your own hands. Last thing on the list for updates today, Bitcoin Core. Uh, so Bitcoin Core, if you're not familiar, I mean, Bitcoin, you've, I'm sure you've heard of it. Bitcoin Core is the actual software that powers Bitcoin. I'm not going to get into it, but there are other versions of Bitcoin out there. So we're just going to, we're going to refer to Bitcoin Core as Bitcoin a lot on the show. Well, they just merged some new code that encrypts peer-to-peer -peer traffic. So that's awesome. Uh, up until now, Bitcoin has just operated in the clear. It just transmits everything unencrypted, which means that uh, anybody sniffing on the network knows what's going on, but there's not like a lot of information there. However, why this is relevant is that firewalls, uh, your ISP, if there were if there were companies that didn't want you to run a Bitcoin node, run the Bitcoin software at home or somewhere on their network, then they can easily tell what's going on because it was unencrypted. It was just out in the plain, uh, it was plain text out there. Now it's all encrypted, so it makes it a little more difficult for them to see what you're doing. Um, there are still kind of some ways that they could tell, um, but for now, this, this makes the cat and mouse game uh, move into the next level, if you will. All right, so short list this week for updates. I don't know how long or short I'm going to make them, but uh, that's what you get for this week. Quickly checking to make sure I'm still recording. Still good to go. I'm recording on an iPad today. Normally I record on a laptop, but given what I have, I'm, I'm doing an iPad. Okay, here's a, a new segment that I'm going to do on the show. So I, I call it Quote I Read. So I've been reading a lot of books about various freedom tech topics lately. And when you start reading books about freedom tech, it's kind of hard to stop. I didn't realize that there was such a vast library out there. I mean, I've heard people refer to books here and there. I've always been kind of a casual reader. Uh, I'll occasionally catch onto a book and not be able to put it down. And then when I do put it down, I don't read for a while again. However, once I started reading Freedom Tech books, I just, I really can't stop. I've always got a book in my hand because I feel like I can't get it into my brain fast enough. So anyways, I've got a whole backlog of books to read as well. Um, and the new ones keep coming out. So, hey, if, if you've got any recommendations, please let me know. Respond to me on Noster. Send me an email. Respond uh, to this episode through your podcast app. Uh, I would love good recommendations for books to add to my queue. All right, so I'm going to share a quote that I recently read that jumped out to me, and I'm going to try and do this on every episode. 
This book is courtesy of Alex Gladstein. Uh, the book is Check Your Financial Privilege. And uh, in there, in the chapter that talks about Cuba, uh, there's a man named Jorge who lives in Havana, Cuba, and uh, there the country controls the money. And so he uses Bitcoin to move out of the local currency that keeps inflating, and he uses Bitcoin to transact for other goods and services. So he said this, quote, uh, This technology goes around blockaded and government restrictions. It allows you to empower yourself and do things that are otherwise impossible. It has created hope for those who want change. So, end quote. If you live in a country with a stable currency and stable banking system, <laughs> going to put that in quotes, stable banking system. If you live in a country with, with stable currency and banking, uh, Bitcoin's utility can be hard to see. But for those who aren't able to open up a bank account because the country they live in, just they can't trust the banks or the banks won't trust them. Uh, and, and you don't really want to hold your local currency because it keeps getting printed and keeps inflating and loses value rapidly, then you get it. Bitcoin is freedom tech. So that's the quote for this episode. All right, on to the main topic. So this is going to be our freedom tech topic for the episode. And really, it's kind of meta because it is freedom tech. Boom. Freedom tech. What is it? Let's get into this more. So I've given you little summaries here and there. If you already know what it is, you're like rolling your eyes. Okay, I already know what it is, but just bear with me. So depending on which generation you come from, you view the word online in various ways. My generation and older, we would say I'm going online. And that was an actual physical act that you would do where you would change your state from being offline to online. You would go sit down on your computer, you would plug in your 14.4 baud modem or whatever you had, and you would hope that nobody else is on the phone line. And then you would dial in and make all the screeching noises and you would be online. And depending on the service you use, your ISP, you might have to pay per minute. Uh, I was lucky to have a service that was unlimited and we were so bougie that we had a third phone line in our house. That's right. So nobody ever picked up the phone on me. I never got disconnected. But anyways, so going online was an act you had to do. Today, that's not really the case. Today, being online is just ubiquitous. In fact, the only time you're not online is when the Wi-Fi is down or when you have a poor cell phone connection, right? And you're like, what the heck? I'm not connected. But other than that, you're always connected almost whether you like it or not. And we'll, we'll actually talk about that in future episodes. What does that mean? What are the implications of always being connected? So I want you to think about what you do on a daily basis because you're always connected without even thinking about it. How many apps are you using? How many services, websites do you interact with on a daily basis? Like take a second to think about that. And then ask yourself some questions about those apps and services. Things like, where is my data stored? Is there a company making money off my data? What would happen if I couldn't access that data anymore? And how could this data be used against me? By the way, quick side note, I understand that the word data is plural, so it should be these data, but screw that. I'm gonna say this data. Data ownership. So let's talk about data ownership. Well, what is an app or a service? 
it's, you know, it's a piece of software that you interact with. And a lot of times these services store your information that you put into the app. They store it for you on their servers. And this is done out of convenience, right? We don't want to lose the stuff that we're typing into the service. You want to post something online. You want it to live somewhere. You don't want to just live on your phone. You want other people to see it. You also want it to be safe in case your phone gets dropped into a lake or into the ocean or something and is gone forever. So there are reasons why we store data on services. Now, how do, how do these uh, services transmit and store your data? Well, first, let's, let's picture a scenario where you want to send a Snapchat to someone, right? So you've got your friend somewhere else in the world and you take a, a picture and you want to send it to their phone. So the experience makes it seem like you hit send and it shows up magically on their phone. Boom, from me to you and that's it. But really there's more going on in between, right? So there's the, the Snapchat server. So really it has to go to Snapchat and then it goes out to your friend. And then if they want to send something back, it goes to Snapchat and then to you, right? So uh, I have a little analogy for you. I want to picture, you know, when you were little and you wanted to draw, right? Draw a picture. And uh, it's kind of hard when you start with a blank piece of paper. So you could get these coloring books that had dot to dot. You remember doing dot to dots? So they would put, they would take like a, a picture of a cat and they would outline the cat. But instead of a solid line of a cat, it would be just dots making it up. And the dots would be numbered. And so it would be like one, two, three, four. And you have to just take your pen or pencil and connect all those dots. Some of them would intersect with others. And eventually, as you connected all these dots, you would have an outline of a cat. And then you could take some colored pencils or crayons and, and fill it in, right? So that's kind of what's going on here when you send a snap to your friend. Um, so you have three dots. You've got your phone, you have the Snapchat service, and then your friend. So you take your pencil and you connect dot one to dot two to dot three. And it makes like this little triangle or whatever you want, right? Okay. Well, now imagine that you're using one of those uh, magic, uh, not the magic reveal pens where it's like this clear pen that you color on the paper and suddenly more stuff appears. You take that magic reveal pen and you draw all over the paper and a ton more dots appear. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought it was just me, Snapchat, and my friend. Uh, no, there's a lot going on in between. So when you send it, you're, you're actually going to your Wi-Fi router. You're going to your internet service provider. And then there might be things in between your internet service provider and Snapchat. And then it goes the same all the way down to your friend. So there's a lot more dots in between. And these are dots that you don't know who they are. You just have to trust them. Um, and thankfully, there are things like encryption. So you can kind of send things through untrusted services and they should get there just fine. However, you still don't know who's there. Um, later on in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, trace route and I'm going to kind of show you what to do so you can see that for yourself. All right, so moving on from that, how do you see your data? Well, you log into the service or you open up your app, you log in there and your data shows up, right? And so you're stoked. Hey, there's all my information. Well, what happens if you go to log in and you can't log in anymore? Like you forgot your password. That's the easiest one, right? Okay, so you just try and reset your password. But what if you, you know, what if that doesn't work for some reason? Well, there goes your data. You can't get to it. Um, 
I actually had a friend one time, this was back in the days when blogging was really popular, and they logged in to their blogging account. Login worked, but their blog was gone. And it just wasn't there. And this blogging company didn't have a phone number to call. They emailed back and forth, and the blogging company said, oh, there was like some kind of data corruption, and it looks like your blog might be lost. We're gonna try and restore it from some backup servers, but that's gonna take a while because they're kind of off, you know, in cold storage, if you will. Thankfully, eventually the blog content was restored, but man, was my friend really worried for a while about that, right? Um, so you are trusting the service to be always up and to have your data waiting for you when you want it. Then you have things like the end user license agreement or also known as a EULA. You often, uh, these are the things that pop up when you sign up for a new service and it just gives you like this huge long scrolling page of lawyer speak and you just wanna get using the service so you swipe, 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 hit agree. Um, but in there, in all that data, in all that information, you often agree to let them share your data and monetize your data, right? Make money off of you. Um, even if you read every single word, it's kind of hard to tell what they're talking about in there. Um, and so you probably agree to stuff that you don't realize. Another thing that, that uh, happens there is thing, entities like the government, the government can't just go and get your data from these companies unless they subpoena it, right? Unless they have some kind of warrant to go in and get it from you, typically. Um, however, they have ways to get around this quite easily by uh, a third-party service will pay the company for your data. It'll aggregate it all, and then the government can just go to these third-party services and kind of get, get more aggregated information, um, but they can try and also target it. So just know that your data is getting out there. So uh, in Bitcoin, there's a, a phrase called not your keys, not your coins, meaning that if you don't store your Bitcoin on your own wallet where you hold the private key, then somebody else is actually storing your Bitcoin and they own it. Uh, I kind of feel like it's similar with your data, right? Not your device, not your data. If your data is living on someone else's computer, they, they kind of own it. Maybe not from an intellectual property standpoint, but they are housing it. And if their servers go offline, you don't have it anymore. So we're hoping we're going to try and help you move some of your data into places that you have a little more ownership over. So why do we give these companies so much information, right? If there are so many drawbacks to the system? Well, it's easy, right? We wanted to communicate with each other. We wanted to collaborate with each other. We wanted things to be convenient, right? Maybe we lack technical ability, so we don't want to set up our own servers. Maybe we lack the tools, the, the finance to buy the tools, or even just we don't want to buy them because we, we don't know how to run them. So there are lots of reasons why we do this. I'm not saying that it was wrong of us to kind of go this route, but you can see why we went this route. And I think now we, we're starting to see that we need to pull back just a little bit. So... That's where we get to Freedom Tech. Enter, enter Freedom Technology. This allows you to collaborate on your own terms, communicate on your own terms. So there are so many categories within the Freedom Tech space. The list I'm about to read to you is one that I kind of came up with on my own, just kind of thinking about it. And then 
over the course of a few weeks as I would listen to podcasts and read books, I'd be like, oh, there's another one. Let me add that to the list. So there, this list will be ever growing and you might have ones that, that you would like to add to, but let's get going. So, uh, anything in your life that is held by someone else, right? That is something that you could find a way to hold yourself and that's freedom tech. But some categories would be note-taking, right? Uh, your journal, photos, videos, social media, email, documents like you know office documents that you're writing for work and stuff. Accounting, accounting software. You don't have to use the accounting software company that runs the entire world. There's there's free open source ones out there that you can use. Uh, project management, money right? You can hold cash. That's freedom tech. You can hold Bitcoin, gold, silver. So the smart speaker space right now is dominated by the big tech companies. Um, and this is something I need to look into more, but I'm, I'm guessing that there are ways to make smart speakers more free. Uh, your cell phone, cars, when you, your car insurance company gives you a discount, but you have to plug in this tracker or download an app that tracks you everywhere you go, uh, you know, Freedom Tech would say maybe turn that off and don't get the discount if you can afford it. Think about where you're trading off and how much your privacy is worth. Then we get outside of technology completely and like growing some of your own food, um, thinking critically for yourself rather than outsourcing your research to social media, right? Take, take freedom back in your own thought process and your own research. So this is just a start. This list could get much, much longer. And we are going to discuss as many of these topics as we can throughout this show um, and any more that pop up and any more that y'all suggest, bring it on. So Freedom Tech doesn't have to be heavenly, eh, heavenly, it is heavenly. It doesn't have to be heavily technical. Um, it doesn't have to be difficult to use. There are lots that are actually, you'd be surprised at how easy they are to download and just start using. Okay, so now for the exercise for today's episode. I told you I want to give you something actionable to do. I'm actually going to give you two things to do today. The first one is that uh, what I mentioned earlier with the trace route thing. Um, so if you want to know what is in between you and your favorite service that you use, we're just going to use google.com because that's a website everybody knows. So you can go into your web browser and search, search the words, uh, trace route. Okay. So trace dot to dot. Remember you're tracing something and then route, like you're driving a route on the road or running a route. Um, and then that's gonna, you can just pick a website that'll let you run a trace route. And then on that website, when you click on one of those links, it should have a box for you to type in a website address or an IP address. We're going to do a website address and then you're going to hit go. So just in that, on that website, type in any domain that you want. I'm going to tell you to type in google.com. You can do anything. Type it in and hit trace route or go or whatever the website tells you to do. And then it's going to run and it's going to transmit data from your computer to the domain that you typed in. And it's going to show you how many things are in between you and that server. And you might be surprised. The list will probably be at least five long, probably 10 or 15 long. Okay. Now for the second activity for this episode, this is even less technical than the trace route. I want you to go onto your phone's uh, screen time tracker that shows you how long you use apps. 
On Android, this is called digital well-being. On iPhone, this is called screen time. If you use a different operating system, yeah, I don't know. Um, and I want you to look at in the last week or the last month, what you've used, which apps have you used, and then make a short list of the apps in there that you really depend on, that you just can't get away with using, right? So write down the important ones. There might be some apps on there that you're using a lot and you're like, oh, I don't really care about that. If that went away, I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to me. But like, what are the really important ones? Are you using an email app on there? Are you using a social media app on there where you publish stuff that you have followers that you, you, know, you care about, that kind of stuff, um, photos or other things? So make a short list of those. And then I want you to ask the questions that I stated earlier in this episode and figure out how comfortable you are with your relationship with that app or service. So again, in summary, those questions are, where is my data stored? Is there a company making money off of my data? Uh, what would happen if I couldn't access this data anymore? And how could this data be used against me? So take some time just to kind of think about that this week. And uh, that will start to inform you a little bit about how vulnerable you are with your information. And maybe you'll find out that you're not very vulnerable and that's cool. Um, but I'm guessing that there will be some on there that you think, Ooh, if this, if this went away for some reason, uh, that would actually really hurt a lot. So that is, a, a brief primer and an intro into freedom tech. There is so much more people might hear this and say, hey, dude, you left out like so much. Well, we're going to get to all of it in future episodes. Cause this episode is already how long now, uh, you know, we're, we're pushing a half hour or so, um, so let's go ahead and lead this thing out. Um, I'm going to end with reading boosts that I got. So I'm always going to read boosts from previous episodes. Anybody who zaps me, boosts me, whatever, uh, sends value our way, I'm going to read them. Uh, for now, I'm going to read them all because I'm not that, not that popular, right? But if I get super popular, then maybe I'll change it and only read like the top few or something. Um, so episode four actually didn't get any boosts. And, uh, and it was so long ago anyways, but when I posted that I was reviving the podcast and I was going to make an episode five, I did get a couple of zaps on Noster and those came from Derek Ross and Damien. So Derek Ross, if you don't know who he is, he, uh, does nosterplebs.com. He said, bring on the Noster content exclamation mark. And then Damien said, nice with a purple heart, a little purple Noster heart. So there you go. Those are the two boosts or really zaps for this episode that I'm going to read. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Damien. Y'all are awesome. Rock on. Um, so with that, hey, I, I want to thank you for listening, for getting back on this journey with me and with us. I say us because there are other people in my life that are involved in making this podcast, even if they're not directly involved. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to me and I hope that you will send this to, to others, let them know that, uh, this is now going out to a much broader audience and it's no longer this niche kind of like nerdy thing focused on this thing called Noster, which people don't even know what it is. They don't know how to say it. They're kind of nervous to say it. What the heck is a purple ostrich doing on the screen, right? All that stuff. So this is now more about how do we understand 
our privacy? How do we understand our data? How do we understand these apps and services that we use every single day? And how do we get a little more control over it and get a little more freedom? Okay. So again, thanks for listening. Do something small this week to live a digital life with no strings attached. Later. Zap notes every day.